Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of His Spirit, lost in His blood. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, perfect delight. Visions of rapture now burst on my sight. Angels descending bring from above echoes of mercy, whispers of love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I and my Savior am happy and blessed. Watching and waiting, looking above. Filled with His goodness, lost in His love. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. You may be seated. Thank you for joining us for worship today at First Baptist Church of Blixham. Here are a few upcoming events to help you stay connected. Mark your calendars now for the church campout on August 18th through the 20th. Please see Pastor Brad if you are interested in leading this activity. Men and teen boys are encouraged to gather for prayer this coming Saturday, August 5th. You will meet at the Backyard Coney Island in Wixom at 8 a.m. and back here in the link for prayer around 845. Please plan to stay for our quarterly member meeting after the worship gathering today. We will be celebrating God's blessing on FBC and looking at practical things that we can invest for the future. Community groups continue tonight at 6 p.m. If you are not yet connected with a Sunday evening community group, please visit fbcwixom.org forward slash community groups for more information. Community groups meet most Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. In just a few minutes, we will be dismissing children four years through the third grade out the back of the auditorium to our junior church ministry. While there, they will enjoy a great time as they sing songs, play games, and hear a message from God's Word prepared just for them. Giving is one of the many ways we have to worship the Lord. If you'd like to give financially, you can utilize the giving box in the back of the auditorium, or you can give online at fbcwixom.org and click the tab at the top of the page. If this is your first time at FBC, we would love to connect with you. If you'd like more info about FBC, prayer, or to learn how you can get involved, you can fill out a connections card online at fbcwixom.org forward slash connect. Also, make sure to stop by the Welcome Center on your way out for a special gift after the service. Once again, thank you for joining us for worship today. Now we invite you to worship the Lord through song as we prepare to hear from God's Word this morning. And it's a blessing for us today, a special treat to have another one of our missionaries here to give us an update. Um, many of you remember John and Mickey Rayfelt and their son Owen. It's good to have them here with us. Um, you might also remember John was a student of mine and he was a professor for Johnny. So it's kind of fun to have him here and uh, connected to our staff and uh, giving us an update. Many of our teenagers remember John and Mickey as they got to visit them in Uruguay a few years ago, and it's just really a blessing, John, to have you guys here and your family. Please come at this time and give us an update on your ministry in Uruguay. Thank you. 
uh, we're the Rayfelts, and the church has supported us for about 10 years, and we're down in Uruguay, South America. And, uh, you know, we're on furlough. We came at the end of March, and what we do on furlough is essentially visit the churches that support us. And we have about 32, 33 churches that support us. They're basically all in the Midwest. And so um, we're, uh, we're traveling a lot these days. And uh, sometimes it's a little tiring, but at the same time, it's a blessing uh, to learn from the different churches. And today, we get to just sit in and listen. And I was telling Pastor Brad earlier this morning, that's what we need this morning. We just need to be ministered to and listen, because we often don't get that opportunity. So we're looking forward to being a part of this service with you this morning and listening and growing together. Um, well, the Lord called us to Uruguay, uh, called me when I was still a single, uh, back uh, right around 2009. And it took me a while to figure out if this call was just um, uh, a sense of commitment that I felt or maybe emotional or if this was really what the Lord wanted. And I had to work through that process. But, um, you know, my, my testimony is I, I was saved back when I was uh, 13, uh, but I got serious about missions uh, when I was older. And uh, I've always been kind of passive, uh, waiting for God to make something, the next step, very clear to me. And I would often pray, I'll walk through the door if you kind of push me through that door. But the thing about Uruguay that was different was I said, Lord, um, I have a sense that this is what you're leading me to do. And I'm going to walk through this door unless you close it. That was a huge change in my life. Uh, and it was impacting, too. Um, on the personal level, I, since I wasn't totally sure about what my mission in life would be, I wasn't sure who I should date. And sometimes I was spending time uh, with a girl who really didn't want to be a missionary. And through that process, I realized, you know, I better get serious about my mission in life. And so God used a number of things to help me get serious about Uruguay. And I chose Uruguay because um, I wanted to go to a Spanish-speaking country that would be considered unreached. Uh, and as you'll hear in the video, Uruguay is kind of unique in Latin America because when you think of South America, at least when I think of South America, I think of there's a lot of Catholics down there, right? And there are, that's true. Uh, but there's also, in Uruguay, there's a lot of agnostics and a lot of atheists. And so as we go out evangelizing, sometimes we feel like we're, we're kind of uh, running up against a brick wall continually, but we encourage ourselves in the Lord. And, you know, we've learned and we're learning over time to not focus on what's not being done, but focus on what is being done and uh, to rejoice in that. Uh, but we have seen a lot of progress. Uh, when we first went to Uruguay, uh, Mickey and I met on, as I was on deputation, like I was saying, and we got married while I was on deputation, finished out deputation in a year and landed in Uruguay finally in 2014. And so we've been there about nine years, and the church here has been supporting us about 10 years uh, and been very involved. There's uh, maybe, I don't know, 10% of the churches that support us actually go and visit. Uh, and I know it's hard. That's a big commitment. But the church here has. And um, the teens that came, Pastor Jeremy was uh, with the group. I know he's not here this morning. But you might recognize some of the pictures in the, the video. Uh, the, where we did most of the work, where the guys were knocking down walls, uh, that is our main classroom now. Uh, so you might recognize some of those pictures. But uh, we were able to get to Uruguay finally in, in 2014, and uh, we appreciate the, the, the support that the church has given us these last uh, 10 years, going about 10 years now, uh, for your prayers for us, your love for us. Uh, we totally understand that the reason you support and give is because of your love for the Lord. It just overflows to those who are seeking to serve him here and abroad. Uh, and so I want to thank you for your love uh, that for the Lord that's really overflowed and affected us and empowers us to minister there in Uruguay. Uh, you know, when we got to Uruguay, it was uh, it was different than life in the United States. Of course, they speak a different language and perhaps one of the biggest uh, barriers when you're when you're leaving the country is to learn the language of a different country and learn the culture. Uh, but uh, we were able to do that. It took a few years. I remember about three, four years into it, I was driving to some Bible classes. Uh, we offered our, an extended institute to a church about 45 minutes away from us. And uh, I realized I don't feel quite as nervous and uh, frightened as I usually do when I'm going to go teach for hours in Spanish. And I realized I think I think I've become fluent. I think because it just didn't seem quite as hard. But that was after years of work and study and mingling with the people and. Um, so it's, uh, it's a process of adjustment, and now that we've been there nine years, I would say the honeymoon is over, and uh, we're, we have a good idea of what we're doing. Uh, when we were here four years ago, I gave uh, an update to what our plan for ministry was like nine years ago, and uh, we were able to implement a lot of the plan that we had when we went. Uh, some of it we'd had to adjust. Um, some parts of it maybe we weren't able to implement like I thought, 
Uh, but um, we've been able to whittle down, okay, now that we've been here nine years, what is it exactly that we're doing in Uruguay, South America? And uh, it's come, it comes down to this. We're planting, cultivating, and defending the good seed of the word of God. And that's the theme of our, our seminary and our institute. We're planting, cultivating, and defending the good seed of the word of God. Planting essentially has to do with evangelism. You'll see in the video some things we're doing for evangelism. Uh, we hand out tracts. And if you, on the way out today, if you look by our display table, we've got these little cards uh, that has QR codes on them. And this will actually take you to our website. Most of it's in Spanish, but we have one page in English that explains how you can download some of the tracks we've made in our ministry with QR codes um, that take them to a video that shares the gospel in Spanish. Uh, but the tracks have text on them, too. If you're interested, you could check that out. And you'll see in our video some, some books that we're using. I'm writing textbooks, essentially, for our seminary institute, and they're being used in different parts of the world, too. Uh, we sell them on Amazon.com. And if you or someone you know wants some theological-type books in Spanish, uh, you could visit our, our Amazon page and might be helpful to some of you. Uh, but we're planting by evangelizing. We make tracts. We hand them out in our city. Uh, we also do camps and conferences, that kind of thing, in Uruguay with young people, sometimes with kids, uh, conferences with adults like evolution versus creation, that kind of thing we've done. And um, we're planting and cultivating it primarily through the institute and seminary, working with young men primarily, giving them pastoral training so that they can uh, be equipped to serve as leaders. Uh, not all of them will be called to be as leaders, but all of them hopefully will be equipped. And um, we're also defending it through apologetics type of classes and type of activities, uh, training our young men to think critically uh, in an age of clickbait on YouTube, this kind of thing. And uh, uh, sometimes they, you lose critical thinking in the culture in which we live, not just the U.S., but Uruguay culture, world culture right now. Uh, we really need critical biblical thinking, and so we're working a lot with that. Uh, and so I'm just, we're going to watch the video now, and this will give you a good summary of what's going on in Uruguay. And uh, we'll hang out a little while after the service if you have any more questions for us. Today I'm standing where Mickey and I hope to build a house in the next few years. This place is amazing. The air is always fresh because it's the highest point in Colonia. From here you can see the Rio de la Plata, and on a clear day you can see across it to Buenos Aires, Argentina. Mickey began a garden here during the COVID pandemic, which has become a welcome diversion. We've planted a fig tree, avocado tree, mandarin tree, among others and even some native fruits like the pineapple guava, strawberry guava, and Suriname cherry. Working in the garden often reminds me of the many places the Bible uses soil, plants, and trees to teach spiritual truth. It's also the perfect context to describe what in the world we're doing here in Uruguay. Our country is rich in natural resources and beauty. We live in Colonia, the most historic and, in our opinion, beautiful city of all of Uruguay. Miles of neatly lined palm trees celebrate entry into Colonia's old city and are miles of beaches along the Rio de la Plata. Colonia is also the future home of Mas Colonia, or Colonia Plus, a unique smart city with lots of green space that will be a first in Latin America. The spiritual soil of our country, however, is like a large field that suffers from poor irrigation and crop selection. Uruguay is deeply rooted in the idea that the Bible is cultic, regional, and outdated. Many people here are secular free thinkers who seek meaning through psychology and technology. Many prefer to live tranquilo, free from the constraints of conscience and religion. The family has disintegrated as parents shift their duty to their children to form their moral identity in a culture that rejects marriage and gender. Depression and suicide are commonplace. King David declared that the person who delights in and meditates upon the word of God will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. His leaf will not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. Mickey and I came to Uruguay in 2014 to help till its spiritual soil and plant the seed of God's word so that its people might prosper. I lead El Seminario Bautista de Colonia, or the Baptist Seminary of Colonia. Our motto is plant, cultivate, and defend the good seed of the word of God. Our last seminary season was our best yet, as our young men diligently studied and led vacation Bible school in Colonia and on our mission trip to Artigas. 
Our church has been blessed as these future leaders have declared the Word of God to us, helping us confirm their gifts and calling. In 2016, our seminary began a YouTube channel that has proclaimed and clarified the gospel to nearly 100,000 people. This has helped spawn a growing publication ministry that has reached 16 countries and is producing self-sustaining funds for our seminary. Just as the buds of a young tree promise growth and harvest, we trust this is just the beginning. Mickey and I have goals for our family and ministry. This year, we're focusing more on couples' devotions. We recognize that if we don't grow together, we'll likely grow apart. We're also taking advantage of furlough to homeschool Owen, giving him a break from the secular system in Uruguay. We have plans for better training and more delegation in the seminary and aim to reach one million views on YouTube and support national pastors through our growing collection of books. The door is open for a digital media specialist to join our team. Uruguay's greatest need is for more dedicated men and women who faithfully plant, cultivate, and defend the good seed of the Word of God. God has provided a wonderful team and beautiful location for our ministry. We need your prayers that God build our team and send us the right students growing in His time, His way. In 2022, we made an offer on a property adjacent to the seminary that would give us space for an office, library, and potentially a classroom or dormitory. Right now, it's tied up in government red tape, but we hope to have news in 2023. God declared in Isaiah 55, 10-11, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Thank you for praying for us as we labor in the beautiful country of Uruguay. May God be pleased to bring forth much fruit. Thank you for that, John. It's a really great video. It helps us have an insight into their ministry. It's a blessing for us to be able to partner with you and to support your family. So thank you for staying faithful to what God's called you guys to do. Uh, we always want to encourage our missionaries uh, with a love offering. And so just a reminder that you can drop a gift in the box in the back or you can go online really quick with your phone and uh, give a gift to the Rayfelds today or throughout this week. We want to make sure that we encourage them as they've encouraged us with their faithful ministry. It's a blessing to have you here today. Let's pray together as we begin our time of worship. Father, we're so grateful for all that you've done for us. Lord, we're thankful that we can bask in the blessed assurance that Jesus is our Savior and our Master. Lord, today as we come to your word, we just acknowledge that you are um, the preeminent one. You are the head of the church, and so we look to you for guidance. We thank you for the example that is being set for us by the Rayfelts and faithful ministry and spreading the message of Jesus in Uruguay. Help us to be faithful to do the same here. And as we think on our Savior and we think on our responsibility to share the gospel of Jesus with our community, Lord, I pray that you'll help us to worship him properly this morning. Would you help us to make much of Jesus to one another? And would you glorify yourself in us today? Thank you for this time together. We ask that you would bless as we sing these praises to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand as we sing of 10,000 reasons to bless the Lord. Your name is 
God is so good. Bye. 
Amen. Thank you, Brad. That is our goal today, to lift up and magnify Jesus Christ. I invite you to take your Bibles, please, and turn to Psalm 96. Psalm number 96. We're in the middle of a series of messages this year that we've entitled Albums of Worship and a study in the Psalms, this is really a theology that is asking a couple of questions. One, who is God? What is he like? And then secondly, what should I do in response? And today's message is definitely connects those two together. God has done something or is like something. And I then have a responsibility to respond in turn. And so we want to explore the personality of God, the character of God. This is very important. As I've mentioned to you, if you get this wrong, your life will be wrong. If a church gets its theology wrong, the church will be wrong. And so what we do on this hour, in this hour on Sunday mornings, is extremely important. Discovering in Scripture who is our God. We want to know Him better that we might serve Him more effectively. Today's message is that our God is mission-giving, or you might say missional. He has something for His people to do. So we've been talking a lot about overseas missions. We recently, some of the pastoral staff, went on a trip to Germany to encourage our missionaries there. Uh, We're talking about a trip to Peru to encourage our missionaries there in May. We've had recent missionary visits and have the Rayfelts here today. We're going to talk about our church budget and our business meeting and the fact that we spend nearly $100,000 a year of your voluntary gifts for missions, for sending the gospel out around the world. Why do that? It's because God has given us a task, a job to do. And you're very familiar, no doubt, with the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, where Jesus says, all power is given unto me, so therefore go and make disciples of all nations. And we'll look at that passage in just a few minutes. You're very familiar with that. But God's people have always had a mission. You've got to understand that that's not just a New Testament thing. God's people have always had a mission, and that is to declare His greatness, to declare His glory to the heathen around. That's always been the mission. And the question this morning is, are we focused on that mission? Do we understand what it looks like? And the psalmist in Psalm 96 gives us some great instruction about how to do what Bradley just sung, and that is to magnify Jesus in our lives to such a point that it makes a difference in the lives around us. That is really the subject of Psalm 96. Would you follow along, please, as I read? These are the words of God. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord and bless his name. Show forth his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the heathen, his wonders among all people. For the Lord is great. And greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Given to the Lord, O ye kindreds of the people. Given to the Lord glory and strength. Given to the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness, fear before him all the earth. Say among the heathen that the Lord reigneth. The world also shall be established that it shall not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar in the fullness thereof. Let the field be joyful in all that is therein. Then shall all the trees of the wood rejoice before the Lord, for he cometh. For he cometh to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. Would you pray together with me this morning? Father, again, it is such a privilege to come into your presence. Thank you for inviting us not only to hear your truth, but for inviting us into your presence today. Thank you that because of Jesus, our Savior, we can approach you even though we've failed you this week. 
We are weak and we are prone to sin. And Lord, in many ways we have fallen so short of your glory. And yet you welcome us with Jesus' credentials to be able to come to you as your sons and daughters. Thank you for that. Well, this morning we're going to look into a a part of your word that talks about your glory. It talks about your praise and your honor and your majesty, your strength and your beauty. Lord, it talks about how we are to point the world to your holiness and your power and your reign. Lord, honestly, it feels overwhelming. How, How can we appropriately do justice to these incredible attributes of who you are. So Lord, I I thank you that I get to be the mouthpiece that talks about your, your goodness and your beauty. But Lord, I ask that all of us would set aside the distractions of our minds and the sin that easily besets us and Help us to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith this morning, that we might see him high and lifted up, that we would see him as worthy, the only one who is worthy of praise, not just from us, but from all of the world. Help us to own our responsibility as your servants. Lord, you asked this question, why do you call me Lord? And don't do what I say. This morning, Jesus, we call you Lord. And we ask you to help us do what you say. Help us to obey your words, to obey your commands. And to acknowledge the truth of your word in our lives personally today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. No doubt you're familiar with the movie franchise Mission Impossible. Forgive me for this social uh, reference this morning. But I want to just talk a little bit about the premise of this franchise of movies. It's about a task that is given to a group of people that seems impossible. It's not impossible. It's just that most sane people would not attempt it because it seems impossible. And not just impossible, it seems super scary. Now, most Christians think of the Great Commission this way. They think about clinging to the side of a building and holding on for dear life. It's, it's probably impossible, but it's certainly scary. And I just want to remind you again of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28. He said this, All power is given unto me. In other words, right before he gives us the Great Commission, Jesus says, Because of me, it's possible. Because of my power and because of my mission and because of how the Father has sent me, I can now send you to do this task. And it is to tell the world how to have a relationship with God that was broken thousands of years ago in the Garden of Eden. But now it is possible to have that relationship restored. That is your job. That is my job. And it is possible because of the power of Jesus. Go ye therefore, he says, and teach all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And teach them to observe all the things whatsoever I have commanded you. Most of the time when we read those words, we want to think, yes, I agree. But that is for other people. Like missionaries and like our pastor and his staff and people that are paid to do that kind of thing. Or maybe this is for retired people who aren't as busy and don't live as crazy of a life as I live. It would be impossible for me to do the Great Commission right now, given my personality and my set of of circumstances. That would be impossible and scary. Both of those things together. In fact, it is so scary and so impossible in many Christians' minds that they don't even attempt it. They just leave it up to vocational Christians and they applaud it in other people, but don't do it themselves. And I just want to remind you this morning that God's people have a mission should we choose to accept it. Actually, we have a mission. Some don't choose to accept it. And what I want to do is challenge you this morning to accept it. Our our passage this morning talks about this mission 
of God's people to declare his glory among the heathen. If you don't know any heathen, you're not looking hard enough. They're out there. And our job is to declare God's glory among them. But I want to just up right up front, take something out of your mind that might be there. And that is that you might think about the mission, the great commission, declaring God's glory among people as just maybe door to door or cold turkey evangelism. And you might right up front just say, that just seems too scary and non-effective. And so I just, I'm going to pigeonhole what Brad's saying into that. And I'm going to just set that aside. We'll put a pin in it. Maybe someday that's just really not for me. And I want you to understand that the mission is much bigger than that. This is the lifestyle of all of God's people. It's supposed to be the lifestyle of all of God's people. This is our life mission. I want you to think about the songs that we sang together this morning about all of the reasons to praise Jesus and the song we heard sung for us this morning that Jesus would be magnified in our life as we think through these truths quickly this morning. Number one, you and I as God's people are commissioned to witness by our praise, to witness by our praise. And remember that definition of praise, I think the most easy to understand definition of praise is applause that we are applauding the greatness of God and through our applause we witness he says sing unto the Lord a new song unto the Lord all of the earth sing unto the Lord and bless his name the the goal should be all all Christians should think about that what's described in Philippians chapter 2 and again in Revelation is every knee bowing and every tongue confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. Someday we'll get to see that. And that should be the goal and the desire of our hearts that every knee would be bowing and confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. But this starts with Christians. We teach them the new song to the Lord. You might say, well, the the people I know that don't know Jesus, they, don't, they wouldn't have a clue what that meant if I was praising the Lord to them. And I would say to you, I think that's okay. Praise the Lord anyway. Right? Um, one of our favorite family videos from back in the day is of Bryn when she was maybe a year and a half. And she was quoting Ephesians 4.32. This was something that we tried to do with our kids really early on, is to teach them scripture. And then we would applaud them as they quoted it back to us. And she's quoting Ephesians 4.32. She's too young to even form the words. She certainly doesn't understand the words. She certainly doesn't understand the theology behind the words. But she's quoting scripture to us, and we're applauding it. And it's, it's adorable. It's cute. But what we were what we we're doing as parents is we were putting a truth into her mind even before her mind was capable of getting it. See what I'm saying? And I, I think we do the same thing for the world when we praise Jesus to the world around us. They might not get it, but they can understand that we're praising our God, our master. Do you rejoice in the Lord and sing to him? Just a reminder that rejoicing is a command in the New Testament for the church, in all things, there's no way out of it. It is not a suggestion. It is a command. And when we do rejoice, we set an example for the world. John said in Revelation, he saw every nation and every kindred and every tongue and every people giving praise and homage to the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world, before Jesus Christ. That's going to happen someday, but we get the privilege of doing that now. Singing unto the Lord and setting an example. I just want you to see that that is one of our responsibilities to sing. He says it three times. Sing unto the Lord. Sing all the earth. Sing. Bless his name. Sing and praise God. So our singing praise is uh, is a witness to the world around us. Secondly, our attitude praises God. By sharing his salvation, our attitude, look at verse 2, show his salvation from day to day. Does your life show the Lord's salvation? Do people around you know that you're a Christian? And if they know that you're a Christian, what is their opinion of Christianity as a result? Do they know you're a servant of Jesus Christ as the apostles and the writers of Scripture introduce themselves? Or do they just think you're a good person? Or a religious person, or a God fearer. 
The psalmist here says, show his salvation. And for the psalmist, this is just a general truth. For us, this is like a life-changing truth. This is the message of Jesus. This is the gospel. Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other name than Jesus. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Hebrews 7.25, he, Jesus, is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. God is the God of salvation through Jesus Christ. Our attitude of praise shares this salvation message. Number three, do the heathen around you see his glory and wonder in your praise? Look at verse three, declare his glory among the heathen, his wonders among all people. Do you declare his glory? Have you ever thought about this? Like, you can't make his glory any more glorious, right? That's impossible. That would be like like trying to make the Alps more majestic. You can't do that. All you can do is go, look at that, the Alps, right? It's like making the Grand Canyon more big, right? You all you can do is just say, wow, look at that, it's so big. You can't affect it in the same way we can't make God more glorious, but we can show his glory, we can declare his glory, we can draw the attention of others to his glory. He says his wonders, declare his wonders. Can I just share with you just a couple of wonders? These are amazing wonders that I think sometimes we take for granted. Here's a wonder that God took on human flesh to come to earth to die for people. Isn't that a wonder? Here's another wonder that Jesus, as a human, said to his disciples, hey, they're going to kill me and three days later I'm going to rise. I'm reading in the, the Gospel of Mark right now in my personal devotions, and several times it says that Jesus says, I'm going to die, and three days later I'm going to rise, and the disciples had no clue what he was talking about. It was like it just hit them on the head and bounced off and never went into their ears. Like they couldn't figure it out. What are you talking about? You're going to rise from the dead. And that Jesus, they put him in the grave, and three days later he raises himself from the grave. That's a wonder. Are you with me? Jesus walks with his disciples out to the mount, and he says, hey guys, I'm about ready to say goodbye, let's say our goodbyes, let me give you some final instruction, and then up he goes into the clouds. That's a wonder. And someday Jesus is going to come back, and he's going to rule, and he's going to reign on the earth. That is a wonder, and we're to declare these wonders among the the heathen, the hostiles, when I was a kid, one of my friend's moms referred to like worldly teenagers as Publix. And she always said it like Publix, like, like she hated them, right? Like worldly teenagers, little vandals. And I don't know why she called them Publix. I suppose maybe because I went to public school. Forgive me for you young people that do. I don't know why she referred to it that way, but she said, the Publix. So when I was reading this verse this week, I thought, you know, I need to declare God's glory among the Publix, those people. That's hard when the message seems uncool, right? But here's what the psalmist is saying. This is the first thing. Witness by your praise. Why? Because the Lord is great, verse 4, and greatly to be praised. He is great. Here's what Spurgeon said about praise. Praise should be proportionate to the object. Therefore, when you're praising an infinite God, it should be infinite. You cannot praise Him too much or too often. So number one, we're to witness by our praise. But can I just say, number two, you are commissioned to witness by your worship. By your worship. This is a little different. Okay? Sometimes in the context of music, you hear these two words together. Praise and worship. Praise and worship. And they're, that's intentional. They're, they're, they're a little bit different. It's kind of like this. Like praise you can think of as kind of eyes up. Maybe hands up. God is good. God is great. That's praise. Worship is more... Eyes down, knees down. Lord, you are greatly to be feared. This is the attitude of worship. And this too is a witness. The first four verses really talk about praise. The next four talk about worship and reverence and fear. Verse four, the Lord is to be feared above all gods. You see, all people worship something My life is to show that Jesus is the only one to be worshipped. He is the preeminent one. He alone is worthy. My worship should highlight his creative honor and majesty and beauty. Verse 5. The Lord made the heavens honor and majesty before him. Strength and beauty 
are in his sanctuary. Holden spoke on this subject recently when we talked about the fact that God, our God, is living, living just a few weeks ago. Our God is living. All of the other idols are just deaf and dumb. They're just pieces of wood. You remember that message, that sermon where he reminded us, the psalmist reminds us how, how silly it is for people to bow down to the wood that they also burn a fire and make their bread on. How silly that is. My job is to point towards the true God with my worship. My worship should highlight his glory and his strength. Verse 7, give unto the Lord, O ye kindreds of the people, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. That's kind of an interesting phrase. Like what does he mean to give something to the Lord? What is he saying here? I was thinking about this phrase that was popular when I was a kid, and forgive me, I think it was from a terrible rap song, but it was this, like, you better recognize, right? And guys would say that to each other, and that was kind of, that was tough, like, you better recognize, like, well, you, were, you better acknowledge that I'm pretty cool and I'm pretty tough, or that was, that was the idea behind that phrase. And that, that's exactly what the psalmist is saying, you better recognize who God is. Believer, that starts with you. It's sometimes tempting for us, isn't it? When we see the madness of the world around us. I wish, we, wish people would acknowledge who's really in charge. Does, do you acknowledge who's really in charge? Does your life acknowledge who's really in charge? I wish people would give respect to the word of God like it, it demands. Does your life respect the word of God like it demands? That begins with us given to the Lord the glory that is due unto his name. Recognize and ascribe Glory and strength to God alone. You, you realize this, right? That all conceivable honor is due to the Lord. Can you amen that statement? That all conceivable honor is due to the Lord. Like everything you can possibly imagine to honor God, it is due Him. All of it. All zealous homage is due to Him alone. And we're so ill-equipped to do it, but the point is we're to try, we're to try. Paul said this in Galatians chapter 1 when he was giving his testimony that the people, the Christians, heard that he which persecuted us in times past now preaches the faith which he once destroyed. And Paul says this, and then they glorified God in me. They were like, wow, isn't God great? It wasn't about Paul and his testimony. It was about the greatness of God. Do people think bigger thoughts about God because of you? than they would without you? Do people think bigger thoughts about God because of you than they would without you? Does your worship include sacrificial giving? Look at verse 8. Bring an offering and come into his courts. I don't bring this up because today is a member meeting day, but I would just say briefly that worship includes sacrificial giving. This is part of who we are as believers. We bring an offering as part of our worship. Does your worship highlight his holiness? Verse 9, oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. You get a glimpse of his holiness, that changes everything. You might say, okay, hold on a second. Now, what does this have to do with mission? Like, I thought you were talking about God has given us a mission. What is it? Well, it's our, our lives are a witness, and we witness through our praise. Isn't God awesome? We witness through our worship. Isn't God fearful, fearsome, a God to be listened to? But thirdly, your commission to witness by warning. This is actually what we say with our words to the unsaved. Can I just show you a couple of things? Number one, kindly remind unsaved people that God is in control. God is in control. Aren't you glad that God's in control? Aren't you glad that we serve a God who is sovereign? We're not just hoping he's in control. He is in control. And the world around us is spinning out of control. Verse 10, say among the heathen. What should I say, Lord, that the Lord reigneth, that he is in control. He's in charge. The world also shall be established that it shall not be moved. Under God's control, everything's fine. Can I just tell you, the climate's not going to kill us. The politicians can only do so much to mess up life. Believer, I don't think you should be losing sleep over UFOs. Are you with me? Like... The devices of evil are getting worse and worse, but they can only go so far. You know why? Because our God reigneth. Would you say that with me? Our God reigneth. He reigns. He's in charge. He is in 
control. And very soon, Jesus physically is going to reign on the earth. What a great day that will be. What a time of blessing. I think we're to kindly remind unsaved people that God is in control. Secondly, I think we're to kindly remind unsaved people that God will judge sinners. God will judge sinners. Verse 10, he shall judge the people righteously. He will judge. Every human being is under his jurisdiction and he gets his judgment perfectly right every time. It's not like the period of the judges in the Old Testament where everybody did what was right in their own eyes. The great judge will do what is right in his eyes every time. And Romans 6.23 says that if you are in your sin, that the wages of those sins is, is death, separation from God. But if you're in Jesus, you have life. This is the judgment of the great God. And thirdly, I think we're to kindly remind unsaved people that Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. This is a really interesting passage of Scripture because it describes the happiest and the scariest day the world has ever seen. And they're the same day. The happiest and the scariest day. Satan's reign will be over. The curse will be removed. Listen to the celebration. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar and the fullness thereof. Let the field be joyful and all that is therein. Then shall all the trees of the wood rejoice before the Lord. I mean, think about this celebration. The entire earth, this is without the humans, all of it is celebrating. Why is it celebrating? Why is it so happy? For he comes. He comes to judge the earth. Whoa. <laughs> There's this big celebration. What's the celebration over? The judge is coming. He's coming to judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. What a day of calamity for the lost, but what a day of celebration for the saved. Amen. <laughs> Jude, verse 14. Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are without God among them of all of their deeds without God, which they have committed without a thought for God, and all of their hard speeches, which these people who live without God have spoken against Him. He is coming to judge the world. Our job is to warn the world around us, to kindly remind them that Jesus is coming back and that He will judge sin once and for all. So I want to just give you three conclusions, okay? We just had a chance to just bounce from verse to verse to verse and kind of skim through this psalm. But I want to give you three conclusions that I think we can draw as New Testament saints from the fact that God is missional. Number one, to be intentional with our missional message. To be intentional. We don't want to just talk about God in general terms. The Great Commission requires that you share the message of Jesus can you say his name with me? Jesus. The Great Commission requires that we share the message of Jesus. That is the core of our mission. And, and last week, if you missed it, I would encourage you to listen to it. We talked about that in great detail, the message of Jesus. What is it? The message is that he wants to make a, the great exchange with you. 2 Corinthians 5.21, he wants to make a great exchange. If you weren't here, can I just explain just really quickly? You're a sinner, Jesus is perfect. What he offers on the cross is to give you his perfection that you might live in heaven with God, and he took your sin. It's the great exchange. This is the message of the gospel. You cannot share the Great Commission without getting to Jesus. Here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not in excellency of speech or of wisdom. I wasn't trying to be eloquent in front of you or smart but i was declaring to you the testimony of god for i determined not to know anything among you save jesus christ and him crucified that was it that was the message that was the whole sum total jesus christ and him crucified the point of the mission is the gospel of jesus you got to get there got to get to jesus and we're gonna talk about that in, in a little bit more in just a second number two don't get too excited about other missions Churches often get off on this point, okay? And this might step on some toes, so forgive me. But this is, I think, what Scripture tells us to do, okay? And that is to focus on the preeminence of Jesus. Let me mention just a couple other missions, all right? Just a, some small ones. So sometimes churches get all excited about confronting injustice or alleviating suffering, feeding the poor, political pursuits, 
social reform. And in so doing, and none of those are bad, but in so doing, they forget about Jesus. Don't forget about Jesus. He is the core mission. He is primary. These things are fine and they're okay and they're good for Christians to to involve themselves in, but don't replace Jesus. Like For instance, if you say, look, I have time to feed the poor. I just don't have time to share the gospel. Then you have your priorities out of whack. You see what I'm saying? Like feeding the poor is great, but you must have time and, and use that feeding of the poor as an opportunity to share Jesus. That is the core of the mission. Even here, we can get off mission. We can get super excited about the wrong things. We can get excited about the Christian education ministry or we can get excited about the bus ministry or the buildings or community involvement, which are all good things and important parts of taking the mission. But the important thing we, ha- we must remember is that the message of Jesus is the core. That's what must be happening. It's not good enough to be friends with our community or to feed them or to educate them. We must get the message of Jesus out. So then thirdly, how do you do that? And that is to have a strategy for your mission. Have a strategy. Can I just give you just really quick some strategy? And you might say, I, I do one, but I don't do two through six. Or I do one and two, but I don't do three through six or whatever. And I just want to encourage you to take your strategy at least a step further as a result of our time together today. Okay, would you consider that? Take your strategy a step further. Okay, so here's number one. Pray for unsaved people and opportunities to witness. Pray. You've got to ask the Lord. Lord, would you give me some interaction with some unsaved people that I could witness to? Number two, prepare yourself with an understanding of the gospel. Prepare yourself. Are you prepared? If you're not prepared, join the Giving the Exchange class that's going to happen in in September and October. Join the Sunday School class. That class is designed to, to teach you how to share the gospel with other people. Prepare yourself with a thorough understanding of the gospel. Number three, develop redemptive relationships, friendships with unsaved people for the purpose of sharing Jesus. Our exchange class calls this your find five list. You've got to have a list of at least five people that you're trying to share Jesus with. Number four, talk about Jesus. I don't know if you remember this, but in the Gospels, when Jesus was first calling some of the disciples, they were telling each other, hey, I think we found the Messiah. And they had questions. And then they basically gave him an invitation. Hey, come and just see. Come see for yourself. Just listen to him for a little bit. I think you'll see what I'm saying. This guy's different. Come and see. That's our job, to invite people to come and see Jesus. Fifthly, turn the conversation to the gospel when possible. Turn your conversation to the gospel when possible. And lastly, expect a harvest, but leave the results to the Lord. Can I tell you, there's great joy in that, right? I don't have to fret and stew about people rejecting or accepting the message. I just have to give the message. I'm just faithful to share Jesus and leave the results to the Lord. So be intentional with your message Don't get too excited about other messages in place of the gospel and have a strategy for your mission. Thank you for watching this video of one of our recent services. It's a pleasure for us to have you join us from a distance and join our church in a time of worship around the word of God. The most important message that we can tell you is that God loves you. and He loves you so much that he gave Jesus Christ as payment for your sins. The Bible says that all that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. We want you to know that message that true life is found in Jesus Christ. And eternal life, the opportunity to live with God forever in heaven in spite of our sinfulness. True life is only found in Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Would you be willing to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ Would you be willing to pray something like this? Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I know there's nothing I can do about my sinfulness. I don't want to pay for my own sin and I want to put my faith in Jesus. I want his death on the cross to pay for my sins. I want to repent from doing things my own way and make Jesus Lord of my life. Would you be willing to pray something like that and put your faith in Jesus Christ? If so, we want to help you as you start your spiritual journey with Jesus Christ. God loves you. Our church loves you. We're glad that you could watch this message today. God bless.